The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. I'm so excited. The Messages of Hope Tour 2021 is on underway again. Ty and I are on the road for the next five months. We're one week into this trip, and today finds us in Picayune, Mississippi. How about that? Now, why would we come to this little town? I'll tell you why. Because the lovely, the delightful, and lovable Ingrid Honkala lives here. And Ingrid's been on my show. We met at an IANS conference. She's a near-death experiencer who is a walking angel. Anybody who has the pleasure of meeting her knows what beautiful energy she has. So we're spending a couple of days here in their neck of the woods and we all just went with she and her husband mike ty and i went to bay st louis for lunch today right on the water the whole waterfront had been wiped out by uh, hurricane katrina and they've rebuilt it and it's just delightful it was almost like hurricane weather down there today wind blowing white caps on the water so that's a little bit of the background of where i am today and i'm really not that far from our guest today our guest is another dear friend of ties and mine judson emmons he's an author that's a kind of new thing for him and yes we're going to be discussing his book which is called white crow how those in the afterlife saved those left behind it's a novel but really i just wanted all of you my dear friends to meet this dear friend because his story is so heartwarming his his energy is so lovely and i just no, we're going to have a delightful chat today. So, Judson, it's my pleasure to spend the next hour talking with you. Welcome to the show. Suzanne, it's quite an honor. I hope Ty is listening so I can give him a shout-out. But I, it's such an honor. I'm so humbled to be on your show. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And Ty is always listening, so I'm sure that he heard that. Gosh, you, I said, are not too far from us. You are in beautiful Tuscumbia, Alabama, next state over. And we have had the pleasure, Ty and I, of visiting you three times in Tuscumbia after we met. We'll talk about how we met. But why don't you tell everyone the claim to fame of Tuscumbia? Uh, Tuscumbia is the birthplace of uh, Helen Keller. Worldwide recognition for her accomplishments here. That's right. You you took us to her birthplace. Well, not the, is it her birthplace or 
where she it is it's her birthplace yeah yeah, yeah. and um so beautiful to walk the grounds there and uh most people don't know she actually had quite the spiritual side he truly did uh if, if we had time and i'm not sure we will but uh maybe someday we can go into that yeah, you actually sent me two books of hers, and I learned a lot from that. So you spent your whole life in Tuscumbia. Tell us a little bit about your background, your working career. Well, I, um, I I'm, you're right. I spent my whole life here, and I think that's probably <laughs> due to divine intervention because of the, the, the pathways that we have gone down and the journey that we have taken. But I was a, um, a child welfare supervisor for 29 of my 33-year career, with the Alabama Department of Human Resources. I uh, supervised those who investigated child abuse and neglect and the foster care program and uh, protective services for children in their own homes and adoptions. So that's kind of my background for the, the two books that I've written. And uh, it, it uh, is involved somewhat in White Crow, not to the extent that my first book was, but. That's my uh, career, and uh, coincidentally, it came into play. My abilities to know what the Department of Human Resources did involved us quite exquisitely with our child, Nadia, who we got involved with from another county because of her mother's involvement with the Department of Human Resources. So it, it was quite intertwined. And we have had the honor and pleasure of getting to know both of your two adopted daughters, Nadia and Haley, and I'd love to talk a little bit about them because this show is is about hope and usually about talking about the other side, but you gave such hope to those two girls. Why don't you tell us about uh, Nadia, first of all? I, I would be glad to. Um, I think the thing that's going oh, to be... could I stop a second? We sure. have to acknowledge your beautiful, wonderful wife, Donna Jo, who is just a just the most lovely woman, and I know that you two are a total partnership in these adoptions all the way, so I just didn't want to leave her out of this if uh, she's she's an angel on earth as well, so exactly she is yeah. i'm I'm almost uh, this summer I will be seventy two years young, and this is the most giving human being I have ever run across in my entire life mm. Mm. if it and, and truth be known, if it was not for her. We would probably never have gotten involved with Nadia, and I know we probably wouldn't have gotten involved with Haley because of her background with Haley when Haley was in elementary school. So hmm. Donna is, is at the root of all this. She's taken me by the hand and showed me how those who live on this earth are supposed to behave. Hmm. So tell us about Nadia. All right. Uh, well, our little Nadia, who now she'll be 15, if you can believe that, in September. Wow. Yeah, really. Uh, she's had quite the journey. Um, she was born in September of '06. Uh, she came across our radar uh, as a result of Donna's involvement with a local cancer center. She was the office manager uh, in Florence at a cancer center, and she was asked by a Florence church who was reaching out to try to find uh, employment for this mother, this young mother who had no income, had no place to live, and that was Nadia's mother. And through Donna's willingness to open the, the doors there and try to create an income for this lady, uh, 
we beca- we became knowledgeable of her mom and the issues that she had. Uh, she at that time was being uh, monitored by the Lauderdale Department of Human Resources because of uh, at, at birth Nadia and her mother tested positive for drugs, and they were concerned at the hospital regarding mom's mental mental status and her ability to successfully parent. Mm-hmm. And those 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 concerns were very founded, and uh, they, they, so they opened up a protective service case on her, which means, and I bet you do have some social workers in your following, so they, and they'll know what I'm talking about, but uh, that means that they're going to provide in-home services, find her a place, provide daycare, um, counseling, therapy, whatever the the uh, department fit, realizes is necessary to provide a uh, safe environment for Nadia. So that having been said, after several months, uh, I think uh, four or five months at that time, she report she self-reported, thank goodness, that she had shaken Nadia when Nadia mm-hmm. wouldn't stop crying. So at that point, the department is required to, by law, to, to initiate a safety plan of some sort. Well, lo and behold, the mother says, I want Miss Donna to be my safety plan. Everybody wants Miss Donna to be their safety plan. But anyway, she uh, she tapped Donna to uh, be her safety plan for Nadia. And in this instance, what that meant and required was that Nadia would come to live with us at age four months. And uh, we would provide the, the uh, required safety piece of it, and the department would try to provide services for mom uh, to get her to a point where Nadia could be reunited. And that's we were on board with that. We thought that was a good thing to do. Uh, we were off of family reunification, family preser- preservation. But after several months, I want to say seven or eight, Suzanne, uh, mm. mother just proved that she could not get it done. And then we were at a real crossroads. They, they confided to us that, if you all have any interest in this child, now's the time to to have that discussion. And if you well, if you want to do this, get an attorney. So well, I'm going to have to fast forward. We have so much to cover, but you have had her all this time then, and she is yes, such a beautiful, yes. intelligent, polite yes, young and, woman. And looking back on it, I, I think that decision came from us not because we really. Our, our left brains didn't think we could do this because, heck, I was going on 58 and Donald was 47. We were going to have income issues. And if I was going to raise her to adulthood, that put me in my late 70s. So we did it. Looking back on it, I, I feel like it was because of the challenges that, that Naughty was going to endure in the coming years, physical, mental, and emotional, that we could deal with, that biological mom didn't have the means nor the parenting skills to deal with. Wow. Definitely divine intervention. Your intervention with Haley is got you in several newspapers, and when you reached out to me, I had never heard such a story. Could you tell us that one, please? It's a little okay. I'd be love, love to. It's a little detailed too. But Haley, uh, back in uh, 2010, the local newspaper here received a letter from a lady named Rose, who said, "I have I'm disabled with cerebral palsy." Both of my parents have died. I'm in danger of losing everything. Can you help me? Well, by the time the reporter got into the story, 
that she couldn't find Rose. Rose didn't respond, but she did start talking. But the reporter started talking to experts in the area regarding people in this predicament. What happens if they don't have anybody to care for them? Uh, and she was told during those interviews about a 21-year-old who had just been placed in a nursing home who had cerebral palsy. Uh, long story short, uh, the reporter contacted Haley and uh, got the first story, came out on the front page, and when we saw that in the spring of 2010, we set up an interview with Haley. Donna had known her, like I said previously, in a uh, elementary school capacity, being a case aide for Haley when she was five or six. We used to bring her home all the time, and uh, that... that uh, contact situation with us and Haley was interrupted for many, many years when we lost track of Haley. She'd, she'd been passed around with all the relatives that they could, that they had access to, and and then all of a sudden we see her in a nursing home, and so we got permission from the newspaper to go visit her, and, and so we did. Well, here you are visiting this now 21-year-old girl who you knew when she was in kindergarten. She's She's 21, yeah, she's in a nursing home with nothing but geriatric patients, right? The only young correct. person there. That's, that's it. And we took, Nadia took us, took, went down there with us, and we took her into the room in this plain white room with a white curtain separating the patients in their beds. And the only, it was really, as you can imagine, depressing. The only thing Haley had on, as far as decoration was two yellowed strips of newspaper on her wall of somebody that uh, she had, uh, I think it was a, an athlete of some sort that she had, that she liked. Nadia crawls right up in the bed and without any hesitation said, hello, sissy. <laughs> I know. And so from there, we, you know, Don and I had these knowing looks back and forth, like how are we going to let this stand and uh, I can remember on the way home, it was as quiet a ride as I've ever been in. And she was only five minutes away from us in a nursing home, mm-hmm. which we had not known. But after the first visit, we started talking like, man, how are we going to let this? I, I, I would have to take down every mirror in my house if I knew mm-hmm. that I let that child stay down there. And I could and have she wasn't a child. She's an adult, 21 years old. And she was 21, yeah. Still, mm-hmm. she was a child to us, but she's mm-hmm. very childlike in so many ways. But you're right, she was 21, 21 years old. And, and she you would, took her. Yes, we did. We we, we had a, a weekend for a trial just to see what it would be like. We had no idea what her day-to-day needs were. Um, we didn't know if what we could do and what we couldn't do. So, I would love for you, know, you to here, briefly here describe if to everyone... Judson, if you could just describe for everyone, here you are, 61 years old, and you have now decided to basically adopt a 21-year-old woman with cerebral palsy. What did her daily care require of you, both well, of you? we really didn't know the extent of her disability until we had that trial weekend before we accepted her. But she, when she's laying in bed, Suzanne, she cannot roll over. She cannot pull the covers up. She's just there. Wow. Um, so, you know, a choice had really crossed our paths here. I'm 61, Donna's almost 51. Do we take this leap of faith? We don't even have a bed. We don't have a bedroom for her. She would have to sleep in a lounger. 
So we jumped. This was this is going to require Donna, by the way, to quit her job. So the only income we'd have would be my retirement. I'm still a year away from Social Security. Wow. Yeah, so something was pushing us. We couldn't identify it. We just knew this is crazy. But as you will hear later, uh, things started happening that we had no idea were even possible to happen. But um, we did it. We brought her home. And then it, then it hit us, Suzanne. We knew the family history, but it re- we really never focused on it. And we, we, we brought it up to Haley as soon as she got here. This is the same home that Haley's mother grew up in. Oh, my gosh. Huh. Yeah. The one you're living in. Yes, I bought it from Haley's great-grandparents, the ones that she wanted a reading for. Anybody uh, else have goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> we bought, I bought the house in 1985, and uh, it was her great-grandparents. And they had adopted Haley's mother because one of their sons had um, had her and was taking good care of her. So, so yeah, this is this is the divine intervention that, that seems to follow us wherever we go. Yeah, but you but, act uh, on it, Judson. You two are just saints. So, getting more with the the theme of our messages of hope show here. So, six years ago, we met when you reached out to me because you wanted a reading for Haley. And I remember this was just so unusual. And I knew that you would have to set up everything for to have the reading because of her disabilities. You would have to be there in the room with her. I didn't know you. This was going to be by computer. Would you tell me, I don't even remember. I don't remember the story at all, but how did you come to even think of a reading for her? And how did you find me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, it was about that time period after, after all the publicity and everything uh, had died down and we had um, gotten into the day-to-day living and of taking care of her. And, and my, by the way, I was her primary caretaker simply because I was the most physically fit of the two choices. And uh, basically what that consisted of was getting her from bed to her chair to the toilet, back to the chair, back to bed, over and over. And... After several months, well, no, it was actually, it was actually three to four years. Of and it's coming back now. to me now. I'm starting to remember the depression. Yeah. She began yeah. to evolve into this awareness that she had taken two people really out of their own lives. She's talking about me and Donna. And she began to feel so guilty. And uh, th- I had not expected this. Donna had not expected this. But she kept wanting to say, I can't wait for my heavenly body. I've taken you all away from the life you deserve. And she felt so guilt-ridden. And this began to manifest itself in her demeanor and um, her interactions. And she wasn't as jubilant as she was when she first came in. So coincidentally, at that time, I was doing, while taking care of her, I was doing some research on some things like near-death experiences, reincarnation, Hmm. and I accidentally stumbled on mediumship, and uh, your name attracted me, was attractive to me because I had a friend whose last name was G-E-I-S-E when I was growing up in high school, and so I plugged into you, studied your work, and ordered, well, I'm not sure if I ordered Wolf at that time or not, 
But anyway, I, I emailed you in January of 2015, and you 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 came through. You really did. And I, I, the reading was good for Haley. It um, it. it it let her know that the two people who raised her and contributed most to her life and who loved her more than anybody were still with her. And that helped. I remember now. I remember it was, was it her grandmother or her great grandmother? No, it was her it's grandmother. Her, right? her great grandparents. She always calls them her grandparents, but they're her, technically her great grandparents. And I remember uh, thinking, that, boy, I need evidence here because I need her to know. You had told me that she was wanting to die, and I, I yeah, thought, I can't, I can't help her, but her loved ones across the veil can help her. So we need evidence so that nobody thinks I'm just making these nice, saying these nice things to help save her life. It, and they came through, Judson. That's right. Two, two things stood out. Uh, I don't have the notes here before me on that. I, I think Donna has them, but I remember uh, – you all talked about something uh, regarding a xylophone when she was either in first or kindergarten, first grade or kindergarten. She used to bang away on a xylophone. And Haley said, I'm not sure I remember that. And Donna was with her. She said, oh, my goodness, yes, I was your case aide. You drove me crazy with that xylophone. <laughs> I, remember. I remember that. I was so happy that Donna Joe was there to validate that. No. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing that stood out was uh, a description by you of her great grandmother as being, quote, fluffy, which meant she's a little <laughs> heavy. <laughs> so that was that, that was really on target. But also, I, we, I don't I don't want to go into this, but I know that she also received apologies from some or I remember her grandparents talking about Haley's parents and the way they had treated her and just all the things that that meant That's a lot true. to her. That's exactly right. They had uh, they had trouble with her parents had trouble with drugs and mm-hmm. uh homelessness and uh they just as a matter of fact since you bring that up they're still in the area and have always been within 2 3 4 miles of Haley and have just turned their backs on her. And I remember the grandmother stating, you know, I see all of this, and that is not the way that it's supposed to work. But she said it very lovingly. And do you remember any difference in Haley after the reading? Did it did it fit the bill for you? It did. Uh, Haley's uh, cognitive abilities are not significantly impaired. She has trouble with math, but her, her ability to remember and uh, converse and communicate are, are intact and uh, yes it definitely helped she there was an awareness that I'm not lo- alone the people I loved here the most are still with me and can communicate with me now, I'm not saying she's been able to do that because of her other inabilities but she uh, she is she relishes that awareness yeah, I remember just being so blown away by her. Ty and I, I remember getting a, a little teddy bear and sending it to her. And she would, we started emailing and she would write back, Miss Suzanne, you know, in that yeah. very polite Southern style. And, and we just knew we had to meet all of you. And, it, and it's, it's been a blessing to us to get to know all of you. Oh, it has too. In, in the second half of the show, we're going to talk more about a couple other readings that we did. And I definitely want to talk about your book, White Crow. But could you just tell everybody how Haley's doing now? 
Oh, yes. Haley is not living here now. After about five or six years and I began to have hip problems, we began discussions because we didn't want to have to put Haley back in a nursing home. Uh, we started this discussion with uh, the gentleman who is the uh, man who, was, who came down here to help us with Haley. He is the a benefactor. Yeah. Benefactor. This is something that was unpredictable, obviously. And um, she agreed to this this uh, option he offered his childhood home and he offered around the clock care and he's doing that every single month and she's now living uh, the life she never thought she would have her best friend who lives in birmingham has cerebral palsy she's married and in an apartment and haley's been so jealous for all of her life so this is another blessing that we couldn't have predicted uh, her living independently here she is in heaven and we got together uh, one of the times and Haley came over and joined us for lunch she had a special wheelchair and it was it's just amazing and the love that you all radiate to her and is is just tremendous well thank you the uh, with the newspaper coverage that we had here it became known to a gentleman a retired Harvard professor in Florence he subsequently contacted NBC NBC came down, did a story for their segment of Making a Difference, and this aired across the nation, which it enlightened everyone about caring for others. We get correspondence all the time from people like that. It was on the Huffington Post. Haley had become a celebrity. She relished <laughs> that. that. That, in addition to your reading, has really heightened her awareness of, of how good life can be. And the gentleman that came down to offer his childhood home is the younger brother, that Harvard professor, who was in the last six months of his life when he contacted NBC on our behalf. But he had his brother's estate now, and he wanted to come down to help, meet Haley, and he did that. Wow. It's just so heartening. I mean, you spent a whole career dealing with some unimaginable stories and tragedies, so to have Two successes may seem like a little bit, but each life you touch is just tremendous. We received correspondence all the time in these early stages that I just referred to from people all around the country. So, and in addition to to the gentleman who he built a room on here for Haley, he mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the, yeah. the community came together with another gentleman mm-hmm. in town to. Open and we have an to account. go to a break, Judson. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. But we're going to continue for another half hour after this. So everybody, don't go away. We're going to get into more of the mediumship and more of this beautiful family story. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. 
experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Yes, indeed. In fact, we're in central time zone now, and I just looked down at the clock ticking by, and it was 3.33.33. Now, that's a good number. We're talking with my dear friend Judson Emmons about his two adopted daughters that he and Donna Joe lovingly gave a home to. And I wanted to tell you all, Tuscumbia, Alabama, where Judson is right now, is right next to town of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And if you've ever heard the song Sweet Home Alabama, you will have heard of Muscle Shoals. So Judson, you you wanted to, we want to wrap up that last little segment there about uh, adopting uh, Haley, about the, the beautiful... Yes, I think act. I left off where she's uh, independent now. We see, we see and talk to her every week and she does have access to the van to come visit. But uh, the gentleman who pays for that... Uh, is the younger brother of a gentleman I have yet to mention, but I will now. And he is a, was a retired Harvard professor living in a neighborhood in Florence or across the river. And he was in the last six months of his fight with prostate cancer. And as a result of the newspaper stories here, he took it upon himself to reach out to NBC and inform them of what was going on here with Haley and our story with what was we were doing for her. And subsequently, they sent a crew down here to follow Haley for a day. They even went to our state capitol to talk with the Medicaid commissioner because of the ongoing problems that put people like Haley into. But um, I wanted everyone to know that NBC came down, did the story. Subsequently, after he died which was so sad after we we learned that. His younger brother came down to meet us and Haley and offered to help. He subsequently talked us into adding a room on for Haley. And keep in mind, if you remember, she was simply living in a, a recliner. But yep. she said it was the most comfortable thing she'd ever had. But up until then, when she got her room, she was in seventh heaven. So you but allowed them to, to build sure. a room onto your home for her. He did. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Yeah, stuff you can't, you can't, I love you can't stories predict, like this. and it's, it, it is divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now we've gotten to know each other, and Donna Jo asked for a reading. Let's jump into the mediumship aspects here now. And uh, do you recall any specifics of that that she doesn't mind sharing? Because I can't remember too much. She, oh, she has a brother, right? Is that it? Yes, he was Down Syndrome. Actually, oh, it was an older yes. brother. Across yeah. the veil. The brother across the veil came through. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to share one thing with that with you about that. For, for a couple of years prior to his death, every time he would come up and meet 
when we would show up, and Donna and he would get together, she, he would rub her little tummy and say, you're going to have a Chinese baby. Now, people don't know that Nadia happens to be Asian, but I thought that was wow. amazing coincidence. Wow. Isn't that he, interesting? I never heard that yes, one. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I remember he came through in the reading, and I didn't know anything about him having Down syndrome. He sure was just loving, and there was some great evidence there, and a wonderful reading for Donna Jo. Oh, it was. You talked to Donna Jo about what a powerful force he was. You compared it to Wolf about how powerful he was. Mm. He, you came through that he was an Auburn football fan, <laughs> which he was. He was a devout Auburn football fan. Beautiful. Well, he's the one that got it through, so I'm grateful for that. I remember Donna Jo was just ecstatic to connect with him, which was lovely. And it's funny, you know, people, I don't know if people who meet me expect a reading. You guys never really overtly asked, and it was just a pleasure to offer that, but I had never given one to you. And it was a second to last visit we came down there and, uh, offered to do a reading for you. Do you remember what happened, how that came about when you and Ty and I went for a run at the state park where we were camping? I do, I do. It was uh, right along the Tennessee River. Um, we were, of course, going to have the reading after our, our run, and, uh, of course, I knew I was going to expect my father to come through. That's who I wanted to talk with for sure. And my mother had just passed, and I wasn't sure because it was so recent if that would even be possible. And I remember as we were cooling down, walking back to your RV, you were asking about how, how family was. And, and then you said something about, do I sense that your mother has passed? And I said, I kind of wondered if you were going to ask me that. And if you were going to ask me that, I was going to say, if you were going to ask how my mother was, I was going to say, she's never been better. <laughs> but, but you, you didn't but want to you give away, you didn't want to give away before the reading that your mother passed because that's right we I were running when she she, she would, dropped in yeah. on me because I knew your mother was still alive we had talked about her in previous visits but you never told me she passed because you were holding out to see that's if she right. would come through in the reading yeah that was now, I outstanding <laughs> I don't recall the reading but since she dropped in on us on that run I'm sure she must have come through in the reading as well. You, she had some really, really, uh, and I wasn't expecting much from her if she came through at all because of, I understand that when one passes, it takes a while to get, to to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But she was good. Through. <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting to me. Here you are in this little town in Alabama, the heart of the Bible Belt. I don't, we have listeners from all over the world on this show, but that's just a, an area where you'll find a, uh, Christian churches about every other block. And so mediumship is not one that's normally discussed in the area. And here you are diving into mediumship and, and the afterlife. What, to what do you attribute that interest? It was actually your readings, uh, the outstanding reading that you gave me. Uh, where my father and my mother both came through, and there was several, several significant hits. Uh, would this be a good time to go into some of that? Well, if you'd like to, we always love to hear the evidence. Sure. I can remember this regarding my father. He died in 1980. Uh, your impression of him was, was 
one that said uh, he he made you want to sit up straight. You know, he had a real outstanding personality. You got to do the right thing. Very militaristic almost. Mm-hmm. And you told me that uh, you sensed that he worked with his hands, that there was nothing he couldn't fix. I do recall that. He was a machinist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, another piece that came through was the uh, fact that he was a football player and that he had told you that those were his glory days, I recall. <laughs> and that he showed you a stuffed tiger. And uh, the, the story behind that is the football team was the Dexter High School Tigers. Oh, no kidding. That's good. Yeah. Way and to go, Dad. Bill, William, William came up, and his name was William. Hmm. He, he, he told you that I had I still had a little more hair than he did. <laughs> and um, he talked about my brother being fairly stubborn, which is accurate. And at that particular time was acutely accurate because uh, they were in a position of trying to sell uh, a house, and he was stubbornly uh, resisting some things going on at that point. He, Dad said to you that um, I should write another book, that I had another book in me, and that I ought to do it about the things I've been reading about, and don't worry what I think he or my mom might think about it. Just do what I want to do. How about that? Uh, and yeah. you went on to do that. That's, so let's, that's the rest of the yeah. story, as Paul Harvey would say. <laughs> so White but, Crow uh, is is your latest book, and it really surprised me when you came out with it, because, first of all, to have a man writing a book about a female evidential medium as your protagonist is unusual and somebody from the bible belt doing that again again i'm using stereotypes here i'm the first to admit it but you're breaking stereotypes judson but um the title of the book white crow yeah i'm glad you brought that i'm glad you brought that up how many people have you heard who probably would have a real interest in pursuing at least the study of or learning more about mediumship but because of their friends or their family who are very religious, they 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 meet the opposition to to even consider doing that. And uh, so I, we kind of have that conflict here with the medium and, uh, and the local local preacher. And I, I it, it comes to a conclusion that I think uh, will help people who are resistant to doing that to to go on and do it. Very good. I, mean, I want to talk about that more because when I read the book, oh, you really go into the local preacher's resistance to a medium. And I mean, really confrontational, the kind of thing that most mediums shy away from. And that's why I don't openly just bring up the fact that I'm a medium until I feel out the environment. But there's a lot of conflict in the book. So I even hesitated to bring it on the show, but yet it does come to a beautiful conclusion. And it's very interesting the way you've done it. Let's talk about the title, The White Crow. The second I saw it, I knew what that meant, but I'm sure that some of the listeners don't know what that term refers to. Would you explain that for everybody? Yeah. Um, Ooh, let's see. Back in the 1800s, well, no, that's when the organizations were founded. Yeah, these two organizations, I think there were the Society for Psychical Research and in the United States, a sister organization, the American Society for Psychical Research. 
these organizations uh, express express their their purpose of collecting data under laboratory conditions and a lot of things like that uh, for the purpose of uh, study, obviously. And these attracted eminent scientists from around the world, not the least of which was uh, William James, listed on the American Psychological Association's top ten, I believe, most influential psychologists of the 20th century. He's the Harvard professor who was famous for stating, see if I get it right, in order to disprove the natural law that all crows are black, you need only find one white crow. And his meaning was specifically applying to mediumship, to mediums, in that all a scientist needed to do was uh, discover and document just one genuine medium to disprove that all mediums are fraud. So I thought that would be a good title to, uh, this, it's great. Uh, this, this it's novel. great. And the character in your book does that. She, she's. Uh, when I first read some of the evidence you brought through, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good." Because even though it's fiction, everything you depict in your book is exactly how mediumship works. And it was so clear to me. You've really done your research and accurately portrayed what mediumship is, how it works, and what me- some mediums go through. Thank you. Um, I, I like the I like the characters uh, in this book. They obviously it's they're they're earthy. They're they come to the reader with their own troubled past, their uh, biases, their failures, and it shows the roads that they take, the roads they don't, uh, the, all the stuff that they have to go through. But it, it shows how all these bare people from these various backgrounds can come together when the when the conditions are right and when in in, in for the greater good i guess the best way to put it uh the evolution that shows each one of them making this book and i have to be honest with you these characters when i was sit down to write these these earthy characters with all this history and all this baggage would just take me by the hand and show me what I needed to do. They, <laughs> I did not plan this book. I did not plan the character development. I didn't plan the, the storyline. I, I, it's much like I've read other authors say when they reread their book is that they don't feel like that they contributed to it. <laughs> but uh, before I would write every day, I would I would ask for guidance. I would ask for direction. Uh, you know, and I, I know that I wrote it, but I don't know where it came from. That sounds like channeled writing. Well, I've read a little bit about channeling, and it, it kind of reminds me of what's his name, Sandler, Michael Sandler, maybe. Uh huh. Yep. 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 He so, has yeah, that book on automatic, automatic writing. the automatic writing experience. He's been on the show for that. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what this is, but when I read this book, I'll, I'll pick it up and read it from time to time, uh, just spot reading, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll open it up and just wherever it opens up to, and I'll say, boy, that's well done. And then <laughs> I, I'm not saying that to compliment me, but I am very impressed with the way some of this, most of this unfolded and how it makes, how it appeals to a reader. Uh, some of this stuff just, I mean, 
like two weeks before publication. I didn't even know what they, you know, how those in the afterlife saved those left behind. I hadn't thought about that, but That's it came to me to put that mm-hmm. on the cover. And the way the epilogue was done, I thought, well, you can't do that, Judd. This is just not, this is this too far out there to do the epilogue like I did it. But I, work. It, I have not had a complaint yet, so. <laughs> And how has this been received by people? All the reviews that I've seen on Amazon are, they're really good, so I can't be disappointed. I'm very surprised and pleased, and I hope it speaks to some people who need to have have, have that spoken to. Absolutely. So have any of your friends or family members who didn't know that you were, quote, into mediumship been surprised by this? I'm sure that they are. I haven't had direct contact, um, but everybody really likes it. It's just, it makes an impact on people. And what I hope it does is it's going to be so entertaining that they can't put it down. And in the meantime, secondarily, uh, gets them interested in pursuing more knowledge about medium and mediumship and uh, what the reality really, really is. Um, and, and how it can change your life. It's, it's just life-altering since I've had my reading with you and started studying. Uh, well, let's know, talk I, about that a minute, Judson. How has it changed your life? Well, <laughs> you've given me the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, it's just like, you know, to use the monopoly term. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll always continue. Uh, I, my loved ones are still with me. Uh, life is never-ending. You know, why we have the term afterlife, I don't know. It's the ever-life, according to my guides, not the afterlife, okay. the ever-life. <laughs> I can take that. Yeah. I can take that. It, it, it's. I, I'm not the same man I was. I'm not sure who I'm going to end up being, but I know the man I'm not. Hmm. So you, as we mentioned before, you know, spending so many years of your career with some truly horrific stories of abuse of children and abusive situations for the the families. I mean, people that abuse children are hurt themselves. I'm not excusing their behavior at all, but. How do you mesh what you know about the afterlife now with the kind of human life stories you've dealt with throughout your adult life? Well, while I believe divine intervention is always at work, and it's always nudging me to do my highest good, um, of course it's up to me to when I choose to listen, and just like it's up to those parents who do to their children what they do or what they don't do for their children they should do, they don't make those choices. And uh, so that's free will gone awry. Um, those, the, you know, you get into mental illnesses, obviously, Uh which is going to be something that, you know, I know you 
difficulty that those with mental illnesses can incur and uh, have to have to deal with. But we're talking about individuals who, you know, for lack of a better phrase, are just uh, maybe some of them are here to give us an opportunity to reach out to them. Hmm. What a beautiful point. And I so often hear from those who cross the veil who did deal with mental illness and they're just clear as a bell when they get to the other side and they shed the body and they show me poor wiring. You know, the choices were influenced by crossed wires in the brain, that sort of thing. And as with everything, it's not judgment that they get across the veil by any others. It's just they're allowed to see the effects of their actions and and see how they could have chosen differently. It gives us a, a different perspective on life here now. You talked about some of the characters in your recent book being earthy. And boy, we didn't talk about your first book, Five, Five Days in October. I loved that book, a novel, the story of a 13-year-old girl who attempted to escape the sexual abuse perpetrated by her father, the county circuit court judge. What a story. I couldn't put that one down, Judson. So... I, I just I love how you create earthy characters actually with a positive spin at the end. I know I, I'm not sure what that is. It's 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 just uh, I, I have read some novelists who those kind of writings appeal to me. I'm not sure if my 33 year career at DHR was a part of that, but I'm sure it's part of a small part. But um, both of these books. Kind of, you know, there's a, there's a southern setting. There's a, almost anybody's read John Grisham probably feel a little at home with these books. It's it's that kind of genre. And uh, but I, yeah, when I was I, reading I, your your White Crow and you were talking about the town of Sheffield, I thought, is this a made up town? And I looked it up, and it's real. <laughs> it's right across the river, right from where yeah, you are. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, and that was one of the appeals that I thought I would stick with. Uh, the the actually the bus station was real uh, during my youth. Jackson Highway is real. Uh, a lot of it in there is real. Those in the area will recognize a lot of that. You've been in the 360 Grill, so you know that's real. Yes, I do. The place you took us to dinner, very lovely. Yeah. Wow. So how has Donna Jo taken all of this, the mediumship path? I mean, we, we don't really talk about religion or much when we get together. We, and, but I I know you – well, doesn't – Nadia goes to a Christian school, right? Well, she did. We we uh, part of she did she did for about uh, six till sixth grade. Uh, we had to take her out because of uh, and, and homeschool her because part of the problems that she incurred with some of her uh, medicine that she needed for her arthritis caused some really really bad symptoms uh, such as uh, anxiety, depressions, and things like that. But uh, we. Yeah, she she was in a in a Christian school for a while, and of course I was raised uh, in the church. Donna was raised in the church, and you ask about how is she with all of this? And I, I'm I'm of course my hair, I, you know, I approached this like my hair was on fire when I first started talking with you and learning about all this, and I just couldn't. What, understand what do you mean by that? That <laughs> <laughs> was. I would, I would want to know why everyone is not wanting to get into this. This is the, this is the question <laughs> that mankind has asked ever since he came out of the cave. 
you know, what 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 are we here for? What happens when we die? Uh, where do we go? The meaning of life and but you weren't and, finding and those this answers. All answered all of that for me. Yeah, it sure does. And and the beautiful thing is we can get those answers ourselves all everybody who's listening can get those answers by going into meditation trusting that you have guides and a and your own higher self has access to all of these answers so i we try to answer some of these on the show but the tools are here for everybody to take to get these answers yourself but it sure is fun to hear about it from others with the evidence to back it up oh i know i know the uh, you know when when Especially when you can get into all aspects of mediumship and, and this phenomenon, to me, dovetails nicely in, in, into the, uh, the I, guess, I guess best say, the scientific explanation of the universe uh, being this heaving sea of energy, this vast quantum field. Well, then you can, once you understand that we're just all electrical charges, all this makes sense, and you see how easily doable all of this is. You know, we're we're just all connected in this invisible web. Now I know I'm branching out into the subject. That, oh, you're talking my language, dear friend. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I mentioned to you earlier off offline about Glenn um, McTaggart's fantastic book on the, entitled "The Field: The Quest for the Secret Force of the Universe." Uh, anybody that wants to really n- know the nuts and bolts of of the universe, that's the book you need to pick up. That's the very and, first uh, book I read over a dozen years ago when I started tapping in and I said, how is this possible? And I started reading this and like you, Judson, I said, why isn't everybody talking about this? This explains so much. Yeah, absolutely. And these the packets of quantum energy that constantly exchanging information in this exhaustible energy sea is just then it all makes sense and it and she, does and she, judson and we're going to run out of time just as we get into that topic but it's it's maybe i'll have to get lynn mctaggart on the show but <laughs> why not <laughs> well, but in the meantime i'll get a front row seat Okay. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking with you, everybody. I hope you'll run out and get a copy of White Crow and Judson's other book that are just a delight to read. Five Days in October is the title, and you can get those uh, online. Judson, thank you so much for sharing your, your beautiful story with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, 
and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.